Welcome back to Imagine Akasha. I'm Tom Fry. I'm Nancy Valling. Glad to have you. And this is going to be, we've had some great guests on in the past, but this is going to be my all-time favorite guest because it's my dearest, dearest friend, Lance Fargo, uh, all the way from Delaware. I, I, are you in, uh, you're not, a, are you in Ocean View? What's the city you're in? Technically, it's considered Frankfurt, Delaware, but it's actually probably closer to to Ocean View and uh, or, or Bethany Beach, which that's probably most people are familiar with the area would know Bethany Beach, which is just north of Ocean City, Maryland. Exactly. Now, Lance and I met when I was doing a radio show back out there in the 90s. We instantly became best friends. And uh, I, I'm going to talk a little bit about some of your things, and then we're going to get into that. But uh, Lance is the uh, current U.S. national champion uh, triathlon uh, champion for um, his age and weight. And how many years in a row have you been the national champ? Uh, well, I, I've done it five times, and I'm not actually the current champion. Oh, well, then we got to get another <laughs> guest on. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that's I, I had uh, foot surgery last year. Oh, that's right. Recall. That's right. So, so I wasn't able to defend my 2017 championship last year. And the uh, the Nationals for 2019 is actually coming up here in a couple of weeks. Okay. Well, hopefully by the time this uh, th- this is being listened to, you will be the champion once again. And uh, Well, there you go. There you go. And <laughs> Positive al- thinking. And also, you are an avid hunter. Uh, mind you, you don't shoot deer or uh, wild animals like, you know, out in the jungle. You are mostly a bird hunter. Is that correct? I, I would say that I'm exclusively a bird hunter. Exclusively uh, a bird hunter. Uh, I hunt over my pointing dogs, uh, uh, pointing breed dogs, and that's really the, the the big thrill of it is is working with the dogs for me. And we're going to talk a lot about that. Now, you also have two dogs, that, and you've had many dogs in the past that are championship dogs. Uh, they do field training. You want to talk a little bit about that? Yes. My dogs have competed in uh, AKC field trials. And uh, I currently have two field champions and amateur field champions. Uh, they finished their championship both ways, and, and uh, they're working on their master hunter titles at the moment. Now, this is how Nancy fits into this uh, story here, because she was telling me that there's something very intriguing about working with animals and working with hunting that is more than just to the eye would see. And Nancy, do you want to uh, continue yeah. on that? You know, I did a little research because I don't know a whole lot about hunting dogs, but... You know, there was two frames of thinking. One was dominance-based training, and then there's more the positive reinforcement these days. I I was wondering which way you train your dogs. I like the the positive reinforcement. And the other one, the dominance-based, do you know anyone that does train that way? Uh, yes, I know people that uh, train that way. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, it's two different approaches to work towards the, the same goal and, and both can be effective. You know, I, I just like the, the, the positive uh, base training. I, I feel that you uh, end up with a happier dog. You do. And you ha- it seems to me you have more of a spiritual connection with that dog instead of the just being its dominant owner, which seems more type A. I, 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 I would agree with that. And his dogs are very sweet. I know them both. Woody Wood and Sarge, the two champs. And those, uh, what is Woody's full name for, for when he competes? <laughs> Braveheart Sporting Wood. <laughs> Braveheart Sporting Wood. And is Sarge just Sarge? <laughs> no, you, you know him as Super Sarge, but he is uh, actually uh, Snake Breaks. Sergeant Von Reiterom. 
Wow. And wow. And, and, and Sarge is actually, uh, in, in 2015, Sarge and I won the National Amateur Field Championship for Weinreiners. So he's a National Amateur Field Champion. And to the best of my knowledge, I'm the only person on the planet that is a uh, national champion in triathlon, has won national championships in triathlon and in field trials. Wow. That's cool. The dogs don't run the triathlon with you, but they train with you sometimes. They, you, you know they train with me. They, they do a lot of, a lot of running, and they, they run along with me while I'm riding my bike from time to time. That's incredible. Yeah, there's yeah, Woody has got one of the best gates I've ever seen. Well, what kind of dog is Woody? He's a German short-haired pointer. Yeah, he's he. They're amazing dogs, Lance, and I and I th- I see what uh, Nancy's saying about the the positive reinforcement training because some dogs can be downright mean, but you know, and I think some of that has to do with the way they're trained and obviously the way their owners treat them. But your dogs get so much love and positive reinforcement that they're just uh, you know a pleasure to be around. It, well, I, I thank you for saying that, and and yes, I mean. Uh, pit bulls, for example, get, get a bad rap, but a, a lot of that really is, 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 you know, the environment that they're brought up in and what they're trained to do. Are they trained to be aggressive or, or they, they shown a lot of love and, and, in, in their home. Yeah, because pit bulls can be some of the most uh, gentle animals. As a matter of fact, I've heard that uh, for babysitting children and watching after children, pit bulls are like some of the best animals to do that. But yet, they're br- a lot of times they're bred to be, you know, fighting dogs and to be, uh, you know, to protect you and things like that. So they get this reputation of being this mean dog. Where truth be told, they're one of the kindest, gentlest uh, animals in the in the world. They just happen to have a very strong jaw. <laughs> Well, this this is true, but they're they're you know a product of their environment in, in many cases. True. Um, how did you pick your dogs? Is it a, a mental thing? Is it something you knew from your heart, or did it just happen upon these two? Yeah, you know, I kind of think that my my dogs. I'm thinking back over the dogs I've had over the past few years, and 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 the circumstances upon which they they've come to me and. I didn't really have a whole lot of say in the matter, other than yes or no. I mean, it was uh, my 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 first field dog I had was a dog named Blitz. Who ah, Tom I remember. He certainly Blitz came out and visited Tom out in in in, in uh, Denver there. And I believe Blitz was in, at Red Rocks. Was that Blitz that was? Oh, at- we, we we took Blitz to Red Rocks. We sure did. Now, we didn't go to a show there. <laughs> but he was on but, stage. That, that would have been really cool if Blitz was on stage at a show there. That would have been really cool. But he was on stage. But, but he was on stage. Yes, he was. Uh, so he was actually selected for me by uh, the breeder, who was a very well-known person in Weinreiner circles, uh, Virginia Alexander. She, she, she literally wrote the book on Weinreiners, uh, considered the... The, uh, the this authority the authority on the the breed yeah wow I was just gonna say that but Woody is your first um, one that's not a Weimarander that it's since I can remember back, back to Tugger which was a uh, a yellow lab and that was your Correct. first dog that I remember but um your uh, is Woody the first one of this breed that you've had the German short hair well he is and and he was actually a, a gift to me from a friend who uh, who bred the litter. He gave me Woody, and and Sarge was a, a gift to me by a, a, a another friend of mine. He Sarge actually was Virginia Alexander's dog. 
Wow. And, and, and he was in the care of a trainer when, when she passed away. And then and she left the dog to him, Sarge to him. And then he ultimately gave Sarge to me when he retired from the sport. I see. So I uh, so I acquired Sarge when he was four years old. He's now ten. Wow. So don't you train other dogs also? Other dogs? Yes. Or do you just train your own dogs? You don't actually train your own dogs. A, a lot of the training. I mean, you do some, but don't you have a trainer that you that you employ? I, I, I have a trainer that I work with, and I also do the training myself. Yes. Uh, and, and but no, I don't train other people's dogs. Uh, that would uh, threaten my amateur status. Oh, yeah. what does that mean, amateur status, in the hunting okay. world or the dog like dog? This is the, for the the uh, competitions, the the field trials. So basically, uh, you know, if if I'm not being uh, not training dogs for pay, uh, I I am considered an amateur, which means that I can compete in both amateur and open competitions where if I were whereas if I were a professional being paid to train people's dogs I could only compete in the open competitions ah and then what birds do you hunt oh we do a lot of uh, pheasant and and quail and uh, we've hunted a, a wide variety of quail over the years and also uh, chucker partridges and Hungarian partridges. Those are at, out out west. Uh, the chucker are mostly in Idaho where we've hunted those. And the Hungarian partridges are, let's see, we, we've encountered those as, as, as far west as Idaho and as far east as Iowa. Do they have Hungarian accents? What makes them Hungarian? Do they do, do they eat yeah. lots of like you know, you know goulash and things like that? <laughs> they're they're actually pretty pretty well Americanized and and and, and, and they, they they speak perfect English. Okay, that's good to know. So, but they're originally from Hungary, so uh-huh. that that's why they're called Hungarian partridges. Now, do you eat all of your catch? Is you that bet what I would do. call it kill. I don't. Are, are, it, yeah, our bag, yes. Yeah, bag. Uh, yes, we, we we eat all all of them. Love love the birds. Love to eat them. They're delicious. Um, I actually a deep down desire is to go duck hunting. I have no kidding. Yeah, I really that. I don't know if I could do it. That's part of why I would like to go. <laughs> but what, in no, the what, moment, why, why duck hunting specifically? Because I love to eat duck. I would want to. <laughs> I would. I would. I've not tasted quail or pheasant um, and, oh, f- or I, wild turkey. I, 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 I have had goose, and I did not like it. Wasn't it pheasant that you left me, that really nice uh, uh, bird that you left me when you came through that I cooked that night after you left? Yes, it was. Oh, that was delicious. Yeah. yeah was- oh, the, if, if, you like, if you like the duck, I think you would love the pheasant. Oh, now, well, maybe the, I the, should the, do the, the pheasant hunting. Well, Absolutely. Well, the, 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 this this could all be arranged. <laughs> I think it's that deliberate journey of the union of life and death, too, that has me intrigued. You know, getting up at 5 a.m. and walking through a swamp isn't so much, but I think that part would be, you know, totally worth the end result. And that whole well, spiritual connection between, you know, thanking the animal for its sacrifice, too. Do you feel like if you do any of that, I mean, is there any... 
I mean, obviously, there's not a lot of guilt, or you you wouldn't have probably bagged, you know, thousands of birds over your uh, over your hunting life. But um, I mean, is there some thanks that's paid, or some respect to the animal after it is uh, is uh, in the dog's mouth coming back to you? I, I greatly appreciate every opportunity I, I have to uh, to hold one of those birds in 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 my hand. I mean, it, it's it's really. Uh, you know, just being outdoors in, in, in nature and, and uh, you know, with my dogs and, you know, and, and, and working together to harvest that that game bird, you know, and, and, and then and then, you know, achieving that success and just being out there is is a success. I mean, you get, but but actually bagging the bird, that's just that, that, that's icing on the cake. You know, you, you mentioned the, the the waterfowl hunting, and, and that's actually was my my entrance to the hunting world was was through waterfowl hunting. My your uncle un- was yeah, your uncle yeah yeah he was a uh, a pretty well known waterfowl guide on the eastern shore of Maryland, and he you know, he took me uh, hunting when I was you know, probably eleven or twelve years old. Was his name and Glenn or something? Bert. Bert Carl. Bert. But you have another Uncle Glenn, don't you? Or something? Someone with a G? I, well, actually, I, I do have, a, have an Uncle Glenn who uh, who passed away last year. That's right. That's right. But Uncle Bert. My, my, but Uncle, that was my, my, my father's brother. Where right. Uncle, Uncle Bert was your my, uh, my, my, my mother's brother. Correct. Yes. So Bert's the one who really got you. He's the one who really turned you on to hunting. Now, he was, was a well-known duck hunter, you said? A well-known professional guide for, oh, for, wow. for ducks for ducks and geese, and uh, he used to. Uh, I mean, that's that's what he did in the winter time. He he was had had hunting parties that he was taking out on a regular basis. You know, different people would would come and hunt with him. In fact, he used to hunt with uh, Ted Williams. Used to come hunt with him as well. Ted Williams. That, that that was that was before my my time hunting with him. But yeah, I used to hunt. Actually, Ted Williams used to fish with him and hunt with him. Wow! And those of you who don't know who Ted Williams is, because probably Nancy has no idea who Ted. I Williams have is. no idea. One of the greatest baseball players of all time. So and and, and yeah, and a legendary uh, le- legendary baseball player and, and and a very avid outdoorsman. Wow. So let's go back to the dogs and hunting. Do you guys have strategy? Like, can you mentally? get the dogs to do something or do you have to like <laughs> do you have like a call or a sign or something commands commands it, yeah we, we we have commands that we use uh to to uh you know, mostly just to get the dogs to uh kind of go in the same direction you're going although usually i think it's best to just follow the dogs go out there and follow the dogs and the, the more quiet you can be, the better. Because if you're out there yelling and making noise, you know, those birds aren't stupid. They, they, they know that that's a, uh, I mean, basically you're, you're a, a foreign invader in there, you know, in, in their midst. And, and you know, they're going to skedaddle if, if they're aware of your presence. So try to keep the, 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 the commands to a minimum and let the dogs do their thing. But, I mean, sometimes you might need to call the dog if it's... Uh, you know, maybe going near a road or something like that, or, or or he's farting around. You know, you know, just smelling stuff and taking leaks and stuff. I mean, it's like get back to work, dude. Come on, we're out here for a reason. <laughs> That's why I was wondering the mental part. Can you? Are you connected to the dogs, kind of on a deeper level? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, 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 these dogs are like like my children, and and uh, I mean, I, I I usually can look at the dog and 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 tell 
you know, my own dogs because I have that connection. I can look at them and, and, and usually tell what they're thinking at any given time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's pretty powerful. Why don't you explain the whole process, though? Because a lot of people don't understand, like, when you're, when you're hunting for pheasant or something like that. It's not just you see some bird flying through the air and you shoot at it. There's a, there's a whole thing involved with the, with the dog going in and kind of scaring them off. Or Explain how the whole thing works, like, from when you're walking through the woods with your dogs to um, the time that you put it in your bag. Yeah, sure. And, and you know, usually the, the, the game birds that I hunt would not be found in, in a wooded area. Now, there are certainly people that hunt in a wooded area for uh, grouse would, would be the first type of bird that would come to mind. So the birds that I hunt are mostly considered plains birds. So it's uh, you're hunting in, in, in grasses that, that might be anywhere from, you know, like mid-calf to you know, above your waist high, and, and, and typically there aren't a lot of trees in these areas. So, you know, you, you're, you're turning the, the, the dogs loose when, when you, uh, you know, arrive at the area you're going to hunt, and, uh, you know, I try to just follow my dogs around because they, they know better than I, you know, where the birds are. Are they going they, fast? Are the dogs, like, hauling ass, or are they, like, you know, kind of slowly? Because it seems like you get a young, un- inexperienced dog out there just running everywhere, and all the birds leave the field. <laughs> Oh, I've I've certainly seen that with it with an untrained dog. Uh, the the dog is is out there, you know, like 150 yards, just just pushing every bird into the next county. But uh, you know, with with the, with a, a well trained dog, you you follow the dog around, and 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 he you can you can tell by the way the dog is acting in the body language, it, you know, if if he's on bird scent, and and uh, you know, and and they'll they'll track the bird until they. Uh, you know, actually uh, come within, you know, say, like 20 yards of the bird, and then they'll go on point. Explain yeah. what on point means. Uh, pointing breed dogs point their game, as opposed to a flushing breed dog, like a lab or a spaniel or something like that, that it, it also tracks the bird, but the flushing breed dogs will put the bird in the air. Oh. They'll chase it and put it in the air, whereas the pointing breed dogs, when they get within let's say 20 yards of the bird, they'll stop, stand there motionless. Usually they have a very, uh, you know, erect head and tail, and you just know what a dog looks like on point when you've seen it. And if the dog stops, he's on point. And he's looking right at the uh, target. He's looking, and usually he can't can't see the bird, but he can smell it, and he knows it's there. So So usually... so it, especially within the case of a pheasant, the pheasant like to run through these grasses and the dogs will have to track them for a good distance and they'll stop and point and then the dog processes the scent and says, okay, this is old scent, so I'm going to keep moving. So the, the, they'll stop and point momentarily and then they'll release themselves, you know, move up another, you know, 50 yards or so and, and, and then they'll get more scent and, if, if they, and they'll stop. And if they decide that bird is there, then they're just going to stand there. They're just going to stop. And then how do you flush it out then? Or do you, or do you just well, shotgun blast everything? Just going, choo, 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 just start shooting up. <laughs> Which doesn't sound safe or very that's, that's how spiritual. Dick, that's how Dick Cheney shot his buddy, I think. <laughs> I thought he just pointed and shot yeah, shot, him, buddy. shot poor Harry in the face. <laughs> yeah, we try to avoid that. 
but yes, uh, you just once the dog's on point, you typically just wade into the grass ahead of the dog and 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 kick around, and and usually the the bird will will get up. So then, are they in flight then when you get them, or do you get them on the ground? No, always, always in flight, always in flight. And then, uh, it's, which it's, is part of the the game part. I would assume. Yeah, it's it, it's 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 not right, and it, it's not uh, it's not considered sporting to shoot the bird on the ground. Yeah, yeah, that wouldn't be, or 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 like at a uh, like a pet store, that wouldn't work either. You know, just kind of <laughs> that wouldn't work either. So do they have so, quails so, at so, the pet so, store? Somebody, somebody's macaw in the pet store. <laughs> yeah, Maybe, they may have partridges. So, so so when the ball when the bird falls down on the ground, then. I know there are some dogs that, that you've seen pictures of the dog holding the bird. Does the dog actually go and find the bird, or do you have to go find it? No, then, then the bird, you'll see, these dogs are, are, are field trial trained to be steady to wing and shot. So most hunting dogs aren't trained to that extent. The, 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 the dog will point the bird, but once the bird's in the air and you fire the gun, they'll typically release themselves to go and, that, and that, that's fine especially for a hunting dog that's fine but these dogs are trained to be steady to wing and shot so they will wait for me to give them a command to retrieve and then and then once i do that they go and and uh, pick up the down bird and, and and return it to me wow have you ever had trouble getting it from them have they ever been like mm, this is mine <laughs> drop uh, it drop it drop it you know that, that's that's typically what they they do when when they're young mm-hmm. uh, before they kind of understand what what you expect from them they tend to be very possessive of the bird yeah I but would think uh, that. but yeah but they, as, as they get older and get more training they understand that that, that the you know that's their job is to bring the bird to you now do you bring, give him a treat then after he does that to let him know that he did good or is that when they're just uh, young and they're learning the the craft yeah that, that's that's just what when, when they're younger you know we pray give them a lot of praise i always give them a lot of praise when they do that but you know in, in, in most cases especially with with woody i mean he, he brings the bird back to me and and he'll he'll just about throw it at me and while while the bird the bird barely in my hand, and he's already out looking for another one. Wow, that's just the way he—he's he, that that boy's got some serious drive. Now, do you ever let him eat any of the bird? Like you know, when you once you've cooked it up, like give him a big hunk of the meat and say, "Here you go, you earned it." Sometimes I do share it with them. Yes, good. That's good to know. So, what is your favorite part of the whole experience? Yeah, but, you know, being out in, in in these you know beautiful scenic areas uh, with with my dogs and and. and you know, seeing them do what they were what they were trained to do, what they were bred to do and trained to do. I, I know, I know. You've told me that because I've said, "How in the hell, Lance, do you get up at five o'clock in the morning when it's like twenty below zero in Iowa or wherever you happen to be?" That you know, for, for that little trip, and uh, you're freezing. You got to be cold out there, and it's like you're you're not listening to music. You're not. You're just you know at one with with nature and your dogs, and uh, and, and that says something right there. Is is it meditative? I mean, do you find yourself in deep thought, or do you? Or what exactly are you thinking when you're out there? Are you always just uh, looking for the next bird, or are you bringing some of this in, or do you you know meditate or think about things that you want to do? Or uh, there, there's any, any number of thoughts that might go through my head. But now let's get back to the five o'clock in, in the morning thing. <laughs> now that that right there is is one of the reasons why I stopped waterfowl hunting. So I I used to 
do a lot of waterfowl hunting. As I said, my uncle, my uncle uh, was a guide, and, and I used to hunt with him, and and he taught me how to call geese and call ducks, and I used to I used to guide for uh, when, you know, his hunters as well. So he taught me how to do that, and I was really into that for quite a while up until uh, and I you remember Tugger. I remember Tugger, yeah. I, I, I used to hunt with Tugger, and and, uh, and then, uh, you know, but I always felt like I wanted to go walk around as opposed to sitting around and waiting for birds to, to come to me. You know, if the birds weren't flying, I always felt like I wanted to, to, to walk. And actually, when I was a kid, like before I even did any hunting at all, I used to take my dogs out and just walk for miles. Because I always liked hiking around with my dogs. I didn't even know what I was doing, but I we lived in an area where I had... Uh, plenty of, of uh, room to roam, and I used to just go out and hike with my dogs. I just just loved being out out in, in nature with my dogs. Wasn't that and, up in Was uh, that up in Chad's Ford area? Was that when you were? I, I did a lot of hiking with my dogs up there. Yeah, yes. and, and and then you know in in uh, north of Wilmington, Delaware, in that country when I lived there, and yeah, I used to hike all over the place. I had a I used to live next to a a golf course, and then it had a a park out behind that, so I used to to hike all over the golf course and go back and around the, uh, there was a, a, a river there and used to hike all over the place. So anyway, w- once I got my first Weimariner and uh, I, my, my taking ownership of him from Virginia Alexander was contingent on me giving him the opportunity to field trial, which I didn't know anything about field trials at the time. But, uh, you know, I, but I, I agreed that I had to give him the opportunity and, and, uh, so, you know, I, I put him with a, with a trainer that was actually the, the trainer that she used. And, and, uh, he was out in, in the Mojave desert in, in, uh, California competing in, in, uh, January and February training and competing there. And I went out and, and visited for a couple of weeks and that was my, kind of my first exposure to field trial and really seeing what these dogs did. You know, I, I was, I was hooked. So then that, that led me to meeting so many people that, uh, you know, that, that are into the pointing breed dogs and are in various parts of the country that I, I had all kinds of doors open for me for, for hunting opportunities in various parts of the country. Uh, just because of the dogs. We were we were talking about five o'clock in the morning. Was, were you going to say that the bird hunting is is not best at five o'clock in the morning? Is that one of the advantages? Yeah, the, the five o'clock in the morning. That, that's for the the, the waterfowl, but uh, but but for the the uh, upland birds that, that we hunt, like the, the pheasant and quail and that type of thing, you you, you hunt them during daylight hours. So, so, it's, so you it's can not, sleep in not, till noon if you want to, and just still go out there and bag a few. You, you absolutely could do oh, that. I like but that. I, I I I hunted in 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 Iowa quite a bit uh, last year, and in, in Iowa you can't start hunting the upland birds before eight thirty in the morning. Yeah, you wouldn't um, want to hear a shotgun blast yeah. while you're trying to you know take your morning that, duty. You know. Would, <laughs> would you hunt, Tom? I've never hunted. I've never I've never fired a gun. Would you want to? I don't know. I'm 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 kind of uh you know even though I eat meat and I eat you know birds and I eat fish and things like that something about I don't know I just I always feel sorry for the poor little bird but boy they taste good but they I think, are tasty yes I think that thing between life and death that makes life more important well why don't you just go over to Wash Park with a shotgun and start shooting ducks <laughs> no I don't think you can do that I don't think you can do that and those ducks are eating you know not. Not the most tasty thing. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> 
But if you were going to do that, 5 a.m. would probably be a good time. <laughs> I wanted to get away with it. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, 5 a.m. because you probably wouldn't, not so much for the ducks, but you wouldn't have, the park patrol wouldn't be there to take you off to jail. <laughs> you uh. could make your withdrawal under the cover of darkness. <laughs> <laughs> Get on, out on Wash Park with one of those, you know, paddle boats that they rent, you know. <laughs> you're sitting out there with your shotgun and, and your retriever dog, and you're just shooting at these things. <laughs> but I think I'd have better luck with geese at Wash Park. Are, are, are those edible Canadian geese? Because those things, God, they're huge. They're edible, oh, but they don't taste very good. How I, do you I, know? I've had I've You've had, had Canadian it. geese? Yes. Ugh. Yeah, you know, I, I, I've certainly had my share of, of, of geese and ducks, obviously, and, and uh, the, the, the upland birds, the pheasant and the quail, in my opinion, taste a whole lot better. Is it because of what they're eating? or they... That has a lot, yeah, that has a lot to do with it. That also, maybe of course, the of course, size. also, you know, the, the goose and the duck, are, they're, they're dark meat, whereas the quail and the, and the pheasant are, are, are light meat. Oh, I like dark. I meat like better. dark meat better too. <laughs> well, well, then, then uh, ducks and geese might be just for you. So let, let's go hunting. Well, yeah, let's go hunting. I'd love it. So, so um, if, if if Nancy ever wants to go hunting, how do you have to have a license? Is that how it works? You have a license, and you get like gun training. I would assume training, I need to do some yeah. skeet shooting or something. Well, that, that's a, an excellent place to start. Is it would be to shoot some clay birds if you were going to shoot some. Uh, you know, if you were going to go up with bird hunting, but as far as uh, the license, yes, absolutely, you need to have a license. And in order to get a license, you need to uh, take and pass a hunter safety course. Oh, yeah, I could get all that stuff, and we could go hunting. That's exactly right. Well, I don't Tom, know, Tom. You might you, you uh, might as well join us, Tom. Well, I'll. Can I bring beer along? Can I like bring a little six pack with me? And <laughs> yeah, since you probably wouldn't be shooting uh, <laughs> anything uh, anything other than your mouth off, you'd uh, <laughs> be scaring I, the. I, I'm not sure that would be away. fine. Oh, that's funny. As long as you're not handling any firearms, right? And as long as you're not, you know, leaving the empties behind, you know, that's not good. <laughs> no. No, you're going to have to pack your empties out of there. A trail of empties from the parking lot out to the field. We can see, someone can find out where we were, you know. It's like that's it. I don't like to leave anything anything in in the field. I even pick up my shotgun shells. Oh, good oh, for that's you. That's really good. Now, how Very, often uh, respectful of the planet. When, when you're shooting, let's just say that you know you you flush the bird out, the board's pointed, you've you flushed it out and it's up in the air. I mean, because you're in fairly close proximity, um, I mean, is it, and, and, you know, you're using birdshot, which has got a little bit wider range, unlike, you know, sh- hunting a deer where you have to, you know, shoot and, 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 and you're far away and you have to be really good aim to, to get it. I mean, is it, is it pretty, uh, uh, do you miss often or is it mostly pretty easy? Oh, it's not easy. I mean, the, the, these birds are very, very fast. You know, sometimes they don't often flush exactly the way you in or in the direction that you anticipate them to go. And, and they're, they're, they're very fast. You don't have a lot of time to shoot. I mean, if you, if you take your time and aim that type of thing, that bird's going to be out of range in seconds. Yeah. So do you shoot ahead of them or? Right. You try to try to aim where the, where you think the bird's going to be when the, uh, the, the, the pattern uh, of, of bird shot is, is where it meets the bird basically. In your field trials, how many can you get? 
Yeah, yeah. How does that work in the field trial? Did they have a bunch of birds that, that are like that are like you know in cages that they bring out for these things? I mean, how how do they determine that? Because it seems like if it was a, a dead day for birds, pardon the the, the pun, but if there happens to be no birds out in that field, you get all these people out here with the, for the field trial. How does that actually work? Or do you have remote control birds, or how does it work? No, no, they're they're, they're real birds, but they're generally pen raised birds. Now they're. Yeah, they're they're farm raised. Uh, you know, you I mean uh, often they 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 uh, raise them in a chicken house uh, here in, in my area. You know, so that no chickens in there, all quail. Uh, so the the birds are released on the uh, field trial course. Actually, I should probably explain how how the field trial works. Let's say you have twenty dogs entered in in a competition. The dogs are run in pairs, a handler for each dog, and and two judges. Usually the the Judges and the handlers are on horseback, and you follow the dogs around. So the dogs go out and, and run the course and try to find these birds. They point the bird. You get off your horse. You go flush the bird and fire the blank pistol, and the dog has to stand there for all that until you go back and collar him. Oh, I so see. how do you win? So, 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 so. In other words, the, uh, the, the these 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 birds aren't injured. How, how do they get those back though? First, I mean, are they just gone? I just. They just yeah, fly they're, away. They're, they're generally just gone. Yeah, you get shot with and a blank or a real bullet, you know, your chances are you're not going to stick around. They might take a Hollywood death, you know, if you fire a blank pistol and they'll lay there and act like they're dead before you ride <laughs> on. You know, and then, then they'll all go have coffee together or something, right? <laughs> so what, what was your question, Dan? You said... Um, how do you win? Yeah, how do you <laughs> How do you win? Yeah, well, that, that's a really good question. So the judges will, you know, at the end of running, as I said, let's... Assume, say it's twenty dogs, which for the the, the the sake of the example there, the judges will be scoring these dogs uh, as they're run according to uh, how the dog runs, how it moves, how it hunts, how it looks on point, its pointing style, its bird instincts, all these types of things. How the dog uses uses its nose, uses the wind, and uh, you know, and then at the end of the competition. They're going to place their top four dogs, you know, first through fourth. When these birds are released, is there like you know someone like hiding in, in the brush that opens up a cage, or is or or do they plot these birds throughout the course and then hope that they're still there when the when the field trial begins? I mean, how does that all work? Yeah, that's a great question. So they plant the birds out there just before the competition starts. So the bird planter will go out and plant the birds. And then usually when the bird planner returns to, uh, you know, back to the starting point, then that's when we start. I and see. then the bir- and then the bird planner will follow us around and, and, and put birds back down. You know, as, as birds are moved off the course while you're running the trial, you know, as dogs are pointing them and they're flushed and they, they fly off to who knows where, then the bird planner is putting more birds Used to be that most of the field trials ran on wild birds, but in in the east, uh, the the wild bird populations have plummeted. So because they're because uh, they're eating all that wild bird feed, and they're getting all wild. I don't want the birds to be wild. <laughs> <laughs> I want normal boys. I don't want them. They're pecking at my horse's teeth. 
<laughs> and they eat my shoes. So does that mean they're being overhunted then? Or they're just not repopulating as fast as they... No, it, it, it's mostly a, a, a product of, of habitat loss. You know, like ah. a, lot of, a, lot of, a lot of development, that type of thing. And, and uh, the birds require a, a, a certain mixture of, of cover. And if that's not available, they're not going to survive. You know, and, and a lot of that has to do with with, uh, with predators. You know, yeah. If, if, if yeah, well, certainly. I mean, the, the human development of the land is is, is counter to the, the bird's survival. And if you're removing the the, the bird's cover that it uses for, uh, you know, safety, that type of thing, then then the birds are uh, basically. Uh, there for the taking for any types of predators, you know, foxes and hawks and that type of thing. Oh. And, you know, so, I, I think hunting actually, you know, how you're killed by a fox or a, or a hawk or is a, pretty, a coyote or something. Yeah, it's pretty devastating in comparison to a single shot. I, I, I have a lot of friends that will argue hunting is terrible, but honestly, I think there's a lot worse things that can take you out in the world. Yeah, I, I, I think what Nancy's saying, though, is is to, like, be chased by some fox and just, be you know, be manhandled and, you know, ripped apart as opposed to one shot, it's down, it's dead, you know? It's a yes. little bit more humane in that respect. It, it, it would seem like a, a more humane way to exit this world. Yes. As far as the, the impact of, of hunting on the populations of the birds, it, it's, it's pretty minimal. Uh, I mean, you know, when you think about how many acres there are, you know, on in, in our country, and you know, it, it compared to how many hunters there are, it's there, 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 there's no way that every or even most say coveys of birds are ever even going to encounter a hunter. And and the hunting seasons are fairly short, you know, so over the course of a year, predators and drought and habitat loss really uh, the, I mean those are the things it's a that, big that killer of the, yeah the birds. oh b- by far not even close by far um you know this has been fascinating on a personal level and fascinating just to hear you talk but I wanted to do a little guided meditation before we but well, well, one, one last up. question before before we go, go to that do you find uh when you're training for because we never really even talked about the triathlon stuff which is pretty amazing now you do the what would be called what the Olympic distances or or, or, or what are most of your triathlon lengths when you're the when you're the, where you're the national champion? yeah the, the Olympic distance is, is mostly what, what I've competed at so so of the five national championships the uh, four were Olympic distance and and what exactly is the Olympic distance? Just under a uh, a, a one mile swim, uh, approximately a twenty five mile bike, and then a a ten k run. You know, six point two miles. Wow! Wow! That's 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 a lot to do in a day. And 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 <laughs> and, and, and do you find any crossover between training the dogs and train and you know and hunting and things like that with your with your ability to compete in triathlons? The, the the hunting is is a lot more uh, relaxing certainly you know and and doesn't does is isn't as taxing although I will say that like hunting chucker on the slopes of Hell's Canyon out in Idaho is it can be pretty taxing yeah especially at, at a higher altitude for a you know a guy that lives at sea level like me you know as far as the physical challenge you know I mean the the, the triathlon is 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 more intense but for a shorter period of time. And uh, but as far as as, as drawing a, like a 
parallel to the success. I mean, it, it goes back to anything. If 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 you want to be good at it, you need to practice. Yeah. I mean, that, 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 that's that's the first thing that comes to mind. And you know, it's it's whether it's it's all the hours of training with the dogs, or you know the hours of training with the shooting clay birds, for example, to to hone your your shooting skills, you know, or just you know getting out there and 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 riding, uh, you know, a hundred miles a week, and you know, and and swimming, and you know, running, you know, on a daily basis, that kind of thing. I mean, just it's. You got to put in the hours to, to, to reap the benefits. I would also think that you have to have great mental proudness or, or focus, focus and... to be so good at both disciplines because they're both you're in your mind. Yeah, yeah, it, it definitely requires uh, focus and, and and determination and, and a drive to succeed. Well, I, I, both I'm... both the field trials and and the. Uh, you know, in the triathlon. I will say that I'm very proud of Lance. When I when I met Lance Fargo, he was six five, about two seventy. Uh, former, you know, played football in college. Uh, a big dude. I mean, and, and and he used to always used to always tell me, used to say, "Man, I would kill to have your body to be to be that you know lean and stuff." And of course, I you know I was twenty five years old. So, but anyway, then there was this point where you know you just were so focused on your diet and so focused on getting in shape, and 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 now you're like you know you're six five two thirty. And and you can even go lower than that when you're um, you know when you're competing. But um, it's it's just unbelievable to to have seen you transform and and, and to know that you've stuck with it all these years. It's been it's been what like twenty you know twenty five years since we met or something like that, and you're still going strong and you're looking better than ever. And I'm just, I'm just very proud of you, man. Well, thank you, Tom. And, and and you know you're you're just as crazy as you were the what, back in the day when I met you. So I'm proud of you. I'm, I'm proud of you for maintaining the insanity. Well, hey, someone's <laughs> got to maintain it. Now you want to do some guided meditation? Did you want to? Yeah, I did. So why don't you stay on the li- line, Lance? Because I know you're getting ready to go to bed soon. But this will be a good a good thing to put you to sleep. Okay, so I want to have you connect to your animal, living or or gone. And if you don't have animals, that's not part of your you know, thing you do, maybe a spirit animal you could call into place, but just sit back, relax, close your eyes and begin to breathe a little bit deeper and a little bit slower. And, you know, Tom, I know you have two very wonderful animals. You can invite them both Mm. or you can just invite one, especially if you need to know something from your animal or you need to know who your spirit animal is. So you're just sitting back, relaxing, breathing very deeply, very slowly. And for those of you driving and listening to this, you're going to need to do it with your eyes open. Breathe in and breathe out. And all of a sudden in your mind's eye, and each one of us out in this world is going to do this a little bit differently, but I want you to find yourself in a room, and this room is so clean and so bright, and it's just you, and all of a sudden, your animal. And you're quietly sitting in this room together. And while you're quietly sitting in this room together, all of a sudden, you get a message. And this message is clean and crisp and on point from this animal. And this message from this animal will be helpful in your human experience. And as your hearts connect, as your thoughts 
get in sync. This message will come very easily and you'll have it. And you can hold on to it. And at any point in the future when you need to get in touch on this deeper spiritual level with your animal or your spirit guide or whoever, human even, you can come back into this room and have the same sort of connection, heart to heart, mind to mind. And now that you have your message, you just kind of wrap it in your heart so when you actually see your animal hmm. or you see your spirit guide out in the world, you will have it for when you need it. But just taking another deep, 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 deep breath in and feeling even more relaxed and at peace as you breathe out. Imagine yourself coming out of that clean, crisp room and back into the place that you started this deep breathing at and just open your eyes and thank you for going on that journey. Wow, maybe feel a little silly in the pants. <laughs> I knew that'd make Lance. Lance. Lance and I are huge fans of the jerky boys, so sometimes we, uh, you know, we can just spend hours doing jerky references. It's good stuff. Lance, thank you Absolutely. so much for staying up late for us. We recorded yes. this at night because, uh, you know, Lance, uh, you know, goes to bed early because you got to get up and probably run 10 miles tomorrow. But uh, have yourself <laughs> a, a great one. Give give love to the dogs, to your lovely wife, Paula. And, uh, and thank you so much, Lance, for being a good sport. Well, my pleasure. That was fun, guys. Thank you. Lance Fargo, everybody. This has been Tom Fry and Nancy Volling. Thank you for coming to Imagine Akasha, and we'll talk to you next time. Thank you. Bye-bye.